Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with the Executive Director of the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans. His name's David Johns, and he's also a guest speaker at tonight's Ask With Forum called Closing the Gap, African American Educational Excellence. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Johns. Thank you for having me. Please call me David. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. We've got that out of the way. So, David, um, for those who don't know about this initiative, the history of it, President Obama's involvement in it, and then how you came along to it, you want to just share a brief history of why this initiative was created and your involvement in it? Uh, so, three quick points. One... Uh, the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans, which is a really long title, but it's important to say it in its totality because far too often when we talk about black kids in education, excellence is conspicuously absent, um, is the sixth uh, initiative that exists to support connecting dots and filling gaps to ensure that we're doing all we can for all of our students. And so the eldest of the initiatives is the White House Initiative on HBCUs, which was established under Carter. There's also an initiative focused on educational excellence for Hispanics, another focused on supporting Asian American Pacific Islanders, another focused on Native American, uh, Alaska Natives and Hawaiians, um, one also focused on neighborhood faith-based I'm impressed already. I'm impressed already. <laughs> and uh, mine was established um, two years ago by President Obama um, in concert with the members of the Congressional Black Caucus and the Tri-Caucus um, to ensure that there was an unapologetic and very intentional focus at the federal level on supporting the least of these, right? What we know and what data shows is that um, when we look at most um, indicators of success with regard to education and workforce development, um, black kids in particular are at the lowest rungs of those ladders. And so we exist to ensure that we are taking um, advantage of every federal opportunity to fill gaps and ensure that we are meeting our children's needs wherever they exist. So tell us a little bit about examples. Fill in the, the blanks of what that means from real world experiences of going into states at the federal level and then experiences with children. Yeah, so I don't like the, 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 the phrase going into states, right? So much of our work is acknowledging that a, a couple of things one, um, that this is family work and community work, um, and, you know, people like adages, especially in the African-American community. And so we frequently talk about the work of the village and how it's important for us to all be engaged in supporting children. Um, so we do a lot of work, especially in cities where there are significant concentrations of black people um, and work in partnership with individuals and organizations who've been committed to this work for a lot longer than this initiative has existed. Um, so three examples of the way in which we work. One is providing platforms for young people to speak their truth to power. Far too often when adults Adults come together to talk about opportunities to better support young people. Um, they're referencing young people in name, um, but but seldom are they allowing them to sit at the table and talk for themselves. And so we have a partnership that we're very proud of with Johnson Publishing Company, Ebony Magazine, which allowed us to go to four cities in the last year, um, Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi, um, Oakland, California, and then most recently Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and produce a summit where we allowed young people literally just to talk about their truths to ensure that um, the elders in the room are aware of the challenges and opportunities that they face um, every day, um, and really to allow them to articulate what it is exactly that they need. One of the most significant things that came out of the last summit in Philadelphia was this notion that young people really want adults to be involved in their lives, right? And, 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 and this idea of having high school students sort of demanding that adults take an interest in what they're doing, who they're with, how they're spending their time, um, seemed to be a really novel idea for so many adults in the room. The, the catch was this. Um, the young people weren't extending that invitation to anybody, right? They, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And, and so as they articulated this desire to have adults engaged and involved, there was really this current of, we need you to meet us with love, right? We need you to be honest with us and, and let us know that you 
have stumbled in the ways in which we are as we experience life. Uh, but we want to know that you're going to be here to support us. Um, the second example that I would offer is acknowledging the importance of early learning. Uh, we are working now with a lot of states and with my colleague Libby Doggett, the Assistant Secretary responsible for early learning to ensure that all of our communities are taking advantage of federal resources to increase access to high quality early learning opportunities, right? So what we know and what uh, individuals like Jack Shonkoff, right, a son of Harvard University has, has helped us to understand is that learning starts at birth and the preparation for learning starts well before birth. Too many African-American students spend um, too much time and energy attempting to catch up in kindergarten or thereafter. Um, and we could avoid that and save a whole lot of energy and redirect those funds and resources if we simply start at the time in which the foundation upon which all future learning and development uh, will take place is being formed. Um, and so right now it's a lot of awareness about the Early Learning Challenge grants that were um, recently um, um, the funds were recently um, expended, and then um, within the next month, we'll be focusing on the preschool for all proposal. The last thing, really quickly, is just a reminder that um, this is an all hands on deck enterprise, right? We frequently, I think, too frequently think about the work that happens in school building as something that other people do. Um, and it's important uh, for me to remind uh, people as often as I can that children are learning and developing no matter where they are. And so it's important for us to acknowledge that educators do God's work, and we need to have more. Um, um, thoughtful conversations about encouraging young people to think about going into the profession formally. Uh, but we also have to acknowledge that uh, when people say things like teaching isn't um, rocket science, they're right, it's a lot harder. So not everybody should be in a classroom. Um, but you can still find a way, even if you're not in a classroom, to support the development and learning of young people. So whether that's mentoring, uh, one of the principal components of My Brother's Keeper, whether it's supporting literacy and, and helping young people understand that that will unlock a world of possible, um, like the work we're doing with our friends at First Book and Scholastic, or whether it's simply um, ensuring that young people that you encounter um, know that you see them and value them, um, all of it's essentially important. It seems like you and your capacity do such a fantastic job with not just doing the work, but amplifying the work and the research that's out there. And if you go to your Twitter account, the main thing you see, it's your name, and then it's just one hashtag, <laughs> teach the babies. Yes, and it clearly, with, with what you're saying about early childhood ed, uh, teach the babies. Share a little bit more about not just your use of social media, but what teach the babies actually means as a hashtag. Yeah, campaign. so that's at Mr. David Johns uh -huh. on Twitter and Instagram. Follow him now. <laughs> Big arrow pointing uh -huh. this way. No, so I, um, I frequently talk about the importance of technology and social media when doing this work uh, for two reasons. One is, imagine for a second how different our country would be if we spend half of the time and energy celebrating the young people who participate in academic decathlons or who build robots or who like speech and debate, who do the thing that nerds do, right, in a, in a, in a time where um, it's interesting to use that phrase now because I think that the president and the first lady and so many others make being smart sexy, so it's okay to be a nerd. But when I was growing up, that wasn't the case. Preferred. No, no. <laughs> That's exactly right. There's no, revenge of the nerds <laughs> is living out as we speak. Literally, right? So you just have to you just have to keep on living as the elders say. But um, a part of that is also acknowledging that technology is a wonderful tool that allows young people to demonstrate um, what they've learned and, and how it is that they're making connections in the world. So. Um, uh, for the reason that uh, African Americans are oversubscribed and over-indexed on social media, um, for the reason that um, most of the young people that I am attempting to engage to ensure that they are aware of all the resources that exist to support them, I tell parents all the time, they're not reading articles on the same blogs that we're engaging in. They might not even be looking at television. They're doing it for the Vine. They're Snapchatting and they're on Vimo, right? So if we can acknowledge that and then find ways to meet them where they are, engage them in authentic conversation and give them the gift of listening, 
we can find ways to actually move things forward. So social media is incredibly important. Um, any any chance I get, I'm, I'm, I, I leverage things like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram um, to share media, to share messages, um, often to disrupt these negative um, stereotypes of uh, black students and black people that end up um, um, erecting or reifying barriers that stand in the way. Um, but again, all of that to say that technology is an um, often underutilized tool that um, can unlock a, a whole lot of potential for our students and our schools. So we're, we're a podcast of action. We don't just like to talk about the theory, but we like actually to do something yeah. after we're done listening. And, and you certainly are a man of action yourself. Uh, people are going to wrap up this podcast in a couple minutes, and then they can do something with th this listening experience. Uh, the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans. You can go check out that website. What is one thing they can do beyond that to, to help push forward and move forward the work that you've been trying to do? So two things. Um, uh, the first thing is, um, um, and actually let me do this. The, the first lady hosted a screening of a film called The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. and Pete. It's a Lionsgate film starring Jennifer Hudson and Jeffrey Wright and a whole host of under wonderful people. But it's really the story of a little black boy named Mr., who when you meet him is being told by his teacher that he doesn't possess the skills that are required in order to advance to the next grade level. And then he's literally left to his own devices. He has to find ways to fend for himself in the projects of New York City. The sad reality is that there are so many misters in this world that we walk past every single day assuming that all of our kids have the types of supports that some of us simply take for granted. The thing that each of us can do is to ensure that not a single child goes through any day questioning whether or not somebody sees them values them, loves them, and will support them as they grow, right? Asa Hilliard said it best when he said, I've never met a child who wasn't a genius. There's no secret to how you support them. The first thing you do is to recognize them as humans, and the thing you do thereafter is to treat them with love. Um, so the young people that you know and you see and you sometimes walk past, don't do that. Find ways to engage them in meaningful ways. Um, the second thing is to think about um, the resources that you yourself can contribute to this enterprise, right? So I started again by acknowledging that we need to ask ourselves whether or not we're supposed to be teaching, formally or otherwise. It's simply not a question that enough of us ask, especially those of us who have privilege, inherited or, or, or earned otherwise. Um, so start with asking the question and then find ways to make tangible and sustained investments in the lives of young people. So that can be joining forces with four friends and volunteering to read with a, a, a certain um, class for a year. It can mean um, asking your buddies from undergrad to join you in creating an experience where you take 15 students to visit the college that you love so much. There are so many ways that we can simply share the benefits of our um, educational um, credentials and, and the experience that comes with being in spaces where you have the time and the privilege to really explore who you are in the world around you. Um, there's so many ways that we can make those connections for young people, and it doesn't require us um, being in schools in, in formal ways. Um, and so the two things, again, are to really think about how it is that we can and need to challenge ourselves to step beyond uh, that which is often comfortable or required to show up in the lives of young people, um, and then to do so in ways that leverage our um, our resources, uh, with a capital R, our time, our dollars, our heads, and our hearts. All great recommendations. And for those who are on social media, on Twitter, you can follow at AFAM Education, at AFAM Education, or the hashtag AFAM Ed Chat. Uh, Mr. David Johns, what does the number 11,300 mean to you? 
11,300 means to me that we have so much more work to do to ensure that there are so many more people who are aware of all of the opportunities that we have to teach the babies. It is also the number of your Twitter followers <laughs> who are luckily following you and all the good work that you do. Mr. David Johns, thank you very much for being on the EdCast. Thank you, sir. This was fun. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.